and welcome to another All Japan Women Destiny podcast episode. I'm your host, JD. Not joined by Kay, my co-host of the original audio, which you hear at the Redley Fletcher cast, put over on here uh, at the end of the episodes. Eventually, we'll get to the point where these will come out in real time as we cover them on the Redley Fletcher cast. Uh, this is All Japan Women's Classics. It's episode 43, which uh, covers a lot of the Russell Marine Piad 2 show from November 14th, 1990, and some of the December 9th. 1990 show and i'm gonna kind of go over uh, a little bit here over some of the cards in the uh, second half of all japan in 1990 to get a little bit other perspective on what we're seeing here uh, during the time and a uh, little little other match reviews i was able to find a couple more matches and, and put a little bit more uh, perspective on what's going on currently and kind of the progress that you'll eventually see where everyone is if you like what you hear, consider signing up to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash redleafretrocast. You'll see a slew of content that we put out monthly. Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, business side of wrestling in, in Joshi with statistics uh, that you might find interesting. Uh, more recently is going to be Ice Ribbon uh, throughout the year of 2021 and some past years for some perspective on kind of the... Uh, Failure of the promotion to kind of draw draw interest during uh, a trying time. And I do LLPW reviews as well, a promotion I'm extremely fascinated with, uh, especially with a lot of the, the people involved. My co-host Kay does JD Star reviews from the early 2000s onward. It's a very fascinating, very influential promotion for uh, how Joshi companies survived during the Dark Ages, or at least attempted to survive. And a number of other contents that think you might find interesting and obviously if you like what you hear consider checking out the redley fretcher cast proper found it on your all your favorite podcasting outlets so in the previous episode we go we went over the cage matches uh, between aja kong and bulnakano a uh, very famous one is the is the top rope leg drop i think we're all kind of familiar with this at this point especially if you're a listener of this one maybe you're not if you're learning uh, it's very uh historical match uh, especially in women's wrestling, that everyone should kind of check out. So the September 1st show that the original cage match happened, you would think, oh man, that's got to be like some big card. Well, it sure seemed like an experiment of the time because it took place in Saitama. Alleged attendance at uh, capped at 3,000. Uh, not sure if that's exactly true, but you know when you watch the tapes, there's certainly a full crowd in the front. Uh, very dark in the back, so it's tough to tell. Well, also on this card was a semi-main event of Akira Hokuto, Mika Takahashi, and Suzuka Minami defeating uh, Medusa, Nishiwaki, and Hota. So kind of a Fire Jets-Medusa combo there. Uh, was not able to find that match, but you can kind of you kind of have it in your head. Uh, very, very rough around the edges. Still a mixture of styles uh, from that late 80s period. And then the interesting one that I was able to find was an 18-minute match for the kind of the junior title, uh, the future title, if you will, AJW title. Minami Toyota defeats Kyoko Inoue. Even Meltzer gave this sucker three and a half stars. And you're like, what do you mean? Minami Toyota, didn't they like go on to do make like a bunch of five-star matches uh, from that scale, obviously? And you'd be right, but this one was certainly very much at the beginning of their careers, and it's... When I think back to where they are 
1992, where we're kind of at on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper, the amount that these two are able to progress in not even two years, less than, is downright phenomenal to both their potentials and where they end up being. They uh, they become, uh, or at least Minami Toyota becomes a superstar in her own right, and Kyoko Oni becomes a star for AJW. And this match is a great representation of their humble beginnings because it's kind of a mess. Toyota hasn't quite gotten her her uh, wild style down yet, and neither has Kyoko Inoue. They're both just still trying to figure it out, and it's it's kind of fascinating. And it goes on for 18 minutes of just this this rough experimentation, if you will. And that's kind of the card. It's just the, these these three matches and. Um, if we skip to uh, Wrestle Marine Piad uh, from that era, on that card we get. Uh, let's see here. Let me make sure I don't double dip here. But some of these matches didn't make the classics. Got a, the cla- on the classics were the AJW tag titles, Takashi and Kaoru against uh, LCO, not named LCO yet. It's just kind of what they go on to be known as. A Bat Yoshinaga Kaori Ito kickboxing match. That's an atrocity. That goes to a draw. And then we get the three WA tag titles, two out of three falls, Marine Wolves against Toyota and Kyoko Inoue. Another kind of experimentation match between Toyota and Inoue. Not quite reaching where, at this point in time, uh, Hokuto and Suzuka Minami were, but they're catching up fast. And uh, then from there we get we get into the December 9th show. So the the matches that didn't make the classics was and I you can find these <laughs> was the Hypercat La Diabolica Mayumi Yamamoto and Miuri Kiyomiya Kamiya I'm sorry defeated uh, Esser Minoreno Tateno Takako in a way and Chochil Hamada. So it's your kind of CMLL offer match mixed in with some. Uh, various AJW wrestlers, and what's funny is Hypercat is Yumi Ogura, the recently retired, came back under a mask for this one. So she actually didn't quite retire. She spent a little time in CMLL after retirement, which I thought was hysterical. Very funny. Uh, We also had uh, La Diabolica being La Pantera, which was a a very famous uh, luchadora. Uh, still wrestling today, I believe. Let me uh, check that right quick. Uh, 2019 was her last match, so maybe retired, maybe semi-retired. Who You never know with uh, those people. <laughs> Luchador specifically. Uh, we also had a wacky Bison Kimura Medusa match uh, defeating Mariko Yoshida and Yubika Hota. Like, Bison and Medusa make a weirdly entertaining combo. In the mid-card, you had another CML offer match, not Luchadoras. You had Los Brazos, the crazy, very popular trios team uh, semi-comedy against Gran Hamada, Kendo, and Yashiro Asai. Uh, very fun match. Just very weird kind of in the, in the mid-card <laughs> of this big AJW show. And that's that card. And let me pull up the December 9th card here, kind of their last big show of 1990. So, uh, oh, Marine Pri- Marine Piad drew 6,200-ish 
allegedly to the to the show. I kind of tend to believe that the sh- the show absolutely looked packed. It had a a big match to it, and then the December 9th was a big Cork and Hall show, uh, in which, uh, to my knowledge, all of the kind of major matches from this Cork and Hall show says it was sold out twenty two hundred. That's absolutely not true. You can't fit that many people in there. Uh, probably like if it's sold out, probably around nineteen hundred uh, for the time. And in 1990, there were also kind of a lot of empty seats there, so very much a, probably not an accurate number. Um, this was headlined by Jungle Jack defeating Hokuto and Min- uh, Suzuka Minami for the tag titles, which was surprisingly uh, excellent and really embarked on a massive tag team title run for Jungle Jack, and they just get better and better from this point on. And in second watch, I just absolutely adored this match. And it's kind of the end of the Marine Wolves. Suzuka Minami kind of fades out of that tag title main event type scene uh, to push up uh, the wrestlers that are on the rise. She still has a very good role to play, especially in the interpromotional wars. They definitely send her uh, to a lot of uh, other promotions as a representative that can that can put on good matches, eat falls, and it doesn't really affect AJW's uh, look. And what a great opportunity to uh, kick off the Jungle Jack uh, reign. And it matches up with the company's hottest uh, angle in the promotion right now, which is uh, the Bold Nakano versus Aja Kong and faction members that kind of split off from uh, Gokum and Toe. Uh, very interesting stuff. The other match on the classics from this episode was the LCO versus... Uh, Yamada and Toyota, which has the very funny name listed as 1987 Team Gold Combo. How accurate that team name is, don't know, but it's very funny nonetheless. Uh, that's actually, a, a, I mean, it's it's clipped to hell for the classics. You can find the full one, and it's it's definitely rough around the edges because the level of all four people aren't there yet. It's, like I said, with the in the previous episode, or no, like I said with the uh, Manami Toyota Kyoko Inoue match, it's all experimentation. They're all trying to figure out who they are, what they're doing, they're getting their chemistry down, and it just grows from there. And uh, when you watch all this in context, it's a it's a very fun ride uh, to see the wrestlers get better and get pushed up the card and their rise to fame, essentially. Uh, again, if you enjoyed what you uh, listen to and after i'm done plugging here one more time uh, to the original audio consider the patreon patreon.com slash redleaf retrocast uh, for more uh, retro goodness and some uh, more content i hope you enjoyed and here you go And this brings us to the retro wrestling part of the podcast. It is All Japan Women's Classics, episode 43. We're putting a, yeah, we're putting a dent into this thing. It is the rest of the Russell Marine, pa- Marine Piad uh, 2 card from 1990 and the Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium card from December 9th, 1990. So we got kind of a a twofer here on this episode. And we just 
We just started 1990. We're already almost out of it. It's pretty nuts, actually. Well, the way I look at it, the more stuff that's going on and more impactful, the classics tend to cover more of. So there was a lot of 1986, for example. Not a whole lot in 1989, other than the retirements of the of the big of the big ones. Uh, and 1990 was mostly like what dead for the big middle portion of the year outside of Bull. I would say Bull Nakano winning in January, the Hokuto injury in the middle of the Grand Prix was quite a it, it put quite a dent in the promotion's plan. I would imagine, although <laughs> they never took the t- the tag titles off her. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, right? So quick to vacate belts in that company that you think they would have done so with the tag belts. Yeah, we saw the retirement of Nishiwaki on top of that. She's someone that just didn't work out, whether that was presumed injury or what have you, or burnout. Could be a number of things. Uh, there was... It's really, it's really clear that all of 1989 was focused on the retirement of their big draw money makers and then trying to crown Bull Nakano as the top star, which that was successful. So that's that's a big props. But then the remainder of, I would say, the next two years, all the way up into this show, Russell Marine Priad 2, it was all about trying to push the young talent and get them ready and that's like the entire class of i would say anyone left from 86 onward and if you are if you are the top top of 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 the uh, of the skill area you're being showcased yeah actually i would even say it's been two years of them building this i mean we, we saw clearly they didn't have a plan kind of well, scrambled last minute i think a lot of these wrestlers might have been like ready given their performances. Like you see, like Minami and some of them early on looked very promising, but they just seemed to be doing nothing with them. And now, now when they're like their back is against the wall, they're like, "Oh shit, let's uh, start scrambling." I think that's what entirely what 1990 entirely was. The entire year was just shit. Uh, uh the new stars, make them now, please. Well, yeah, all like, they had it, was bull. All well, they had 80... was bull. I, I I disagree with they weren't trying because they clearly were like they wanted Nishiwaki they tried Suzuka Minami they were trying people right right, right. they they tried but a lot of what they tried just wasn't working out right no I got you there right the, the, so the the people that had the years of experience on uh, their younger classes the class with Minami Toyota Kyoko Inoue uh, just to name a couple there they they focused on the the more experienced ones first to see if they could get something out of them and I would say. 89 through the beginning of 90 uh, was kind of a, a realization that they ain't working. <laughs> we need to we need to pivot to something else. And even though the classics didn't cover it, you can kind of see by the way cards are structured that now they're getting the big youth push movement going. Uh, I would say since Hokuto went down with that injury in uh, seeing Minami Toyota make the Grand Prix Finals against Bull Nakano. That was kind of where I pinpoint the that big rocket push. Right, but there was definitely a, a down gap, unlike the 70s into the 80s sort of stuff, but they, where they had kind of like a the top star was there, then they kind of suckled down, and they already had the next big star right, right away to replace them. 
they didn't have that this time. And I, and I, like I, like we had discussed before, a lot of that was because they just weren't building the stars beforehand. They just weren't. Well, until after I can't stress this enough. They tried after the retirements. <laughs> right, right. But before they weren't trying no. before after the retirements, they were trying before the retirements to make the stars so that when the people retired, they had the next people up already. That's that's what Shigusa and Lion Asuka and stuff like that and Devil Masami and Jaguar Koda before them kind of they were there they were already being set up to replace the next person up before they retired and in the case this time around they did not do that and they could have they should have honestly but only one they had was Bully Kano that was anywhere remotely close to that because that's the only person that they had tried to build up at any point. Yeah, I I, I think it's pretty obvious that Hokuto was in the plans, but she kept Plan, getting she injured. Got hurt, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I think those are your one-two, respectively. But who was after that? Suzuka Minami? <laughs> uh, yeah, and as we see in this one, they just seem to kind of fill up. She, they put her in a specific role, and she never gets out of that role. I think it worked out for the best <laughs> for her. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's not that's without question, but they definitely had. You could tell they were trying to do something there, and then realized, much like with Suzuka Minami, or much with um Nishiwaki, that this person wasn't going to work out as a top star. Maybe they're they're meant to be a more of a bit role player, an yeah. attack team or something. So just to remind people, episode forty two is where we covered the Aja Kong Bolnakano cage matches, and the second one being the main event of Marine Piad two. Uh, this is the rest of the card. And then before we begin, we must mention that since Suzuka Manami vacated the All Pacific title due to that DQ win over Aja Kong, uh. She had refused the title back in June of this year, of 1990. So, yes, the white belt, the All-Pacific title, remained vacated until October, where at an October 7th show that uh, never made tape, to my knowledge, is where Manami Toyota defeated not Suzuka Manami, but Bison Kimura to win it. So, yes, Manami Toyota's first major singles title win uh, seems to have never made tape, and for unknown reasons, Suzuki Minami was not involved. Though, though, I think we can speculate it was because she was in the middle of her tag title run with Hokuto as the Marine Wolves. Right. Well, it was. I think it was also very clear they spun her out of the singles role into the tag role. Or at and, least for the time I mean, being. That, right, right. Well, I don't think they... Um... I could be wrong, but I don't think they try with the singles run with her again. I think they just realize that she's a tag wrestler. I think you're wrong. Oh, you think I'm wrong? See, I'm just I going off the top wrong. of my head. I'm wrong. Well, either way, the white belt continues to get the, the bitch treatment. Is it every time somebody wins it, they just don't have it on tape? Yeah, they don't. It doesn't make tape. You rarely see the title matches on the classics. Uh, it's it's a it's a real shame because the history of the belt I find very very fascinating and it's it's not the second best that always wins it. It's I it, it it it's it's usually a launching pad for the main event or a realization that this person isn't going to be your main event material but they can still main event uh, smaller shows and make something uh, uh, feel like a big purpose. I always point to Mimi Hagiwara as kind of that, that benchmark. 
for the white right, belt. If you will, if you will, let me have a, a bit of a, a head cannon fan theory here with the white belt stardom version versus AJW. I'm up for team. some head cannon. Shoot. As you, as you know, Rossi Ogawa was partially involved in designing of said white belt in AJW over in Hawaii. I could, I can't remember off the top of my head the rest of the story, but he was involved in this design, right? Based off of a Hawaiian belt, they did got a design in Hawaii, all this other stuff, right? And then the belt gets treated like this. It doesn't make tape. Most of the matches don't air somewhere. And I feel like he looked at it as like, you know what, man? I helped design this belt. Screw y'all. When I make my own company of my own white belt, I'm going to make sure I headline fucking Budokan. And you know what? He sure did, didn't he? He did that. He used to put respect on the white belt by making it have big stories and main event shows. I like That's that. That's just my head, Kay Ross. Just being salty. I was like, you know what? Screw you, AGW. My white belt's going to headline Budokan. Screw you. <laughs> well, let's get started on this. Uh, again, Russell Maroon Pad 2 from November 14th, 1990. And then we'll transition into uh, the remainder of the Classics episodes from the Yokohama show on December 9th. We did find the full matches of all of these, uh, or full-time matches on all these classic, uh, classic episodes, or for every match that was in the classics, we found the full version of them separately. Right. We also found some of the stuff that wasn't in the classics as well. It feels like one or two matches, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we watched them, but I don't think they're they're much worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. I mean, there's a reason why they're not in the classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I wish one of them didn't make the classics, but we're going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we did see because they never show these in the classics. Is are the promos that take place before the matches? Yeah, those are always really interesting, and if, I think people don't realize how much of a thing this was for years. Like Stardom doing it isn't like a brand new thing, and I think Rossi aped that from this, right? The backstage interview, sort of asking them how they feel about the show. AJW was pretty big for doing that. I don't can't think of other promotions that did it. I'm sure there probably are, but AJW definitely it was sort of a marquee thing on their bigger shows. But to have these sort of backstage interviews. Yeah, it's really cool. I really liked, uh, we did we did see the backstage confrontation between Aja Kong and Bull Nakano before their cage match, and it's just the most ridiculous image you you could see. It's Grand Wizard Nakano, just full Grand Wizard gear, and she's just talking shit to Aja Kong, and then they kind of have a bra- pull-apart brawl. It's really funny looking. <laughs> My favorite part is a little hood. She has the big oversized hood just flopping around as she's yelling at her. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like that's, that's the one time I can't take Bull Nakano seriously. <laughs> you know who I couldn't take seriously? Was coked up Medusa <laughs> in oh her promos. Oh my god. And she was on something. There's no way she didn't snort a line before she ran out there. She was nuts. Uh, she, she even had a post-match promo, which were, was also common on on the uh, on the show. So she gets her nose busted in her match against uh, uh, Marika Yoshida, and she's all bleeding. She's talking shit, and she like does the rolling eyes in the back and laughs maniacally, head cocked, and every ah, ha, 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 ha. it's so ridiculous. And I don't know how Bison like- Kimura was able to keep a straight face through it all. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure part of it was that she wasn't understanding what she was saying. <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> She'd probably just look at her going, what is going on here? <laughs> like, this is, what is this, cra- this crazy foreign chick? The fuck's wrong with you? Did you do cocaine? You did cocaine. Uh, my favorite part of it is Medusa's got like her hair all wet in her face, and she wore fucking pink and black like zebra Zubaz pants. She just looks ridiculous. Very wacky. We've seen how many looks, how many different looks have we seen with Medusa? 
I think every time we see her, she has a different look. A very drastically different look than, like, the past look. Let's see. We've gone from uh, the the pink and black Zubas here to Tennessee Tennessee garage girl. Yeah, Tennessee (laughs) garage chick to uh, uh, nice braided hair, half dress, shoulder off. <laughs> uh, white gear. <laughs> it's very wacky. Two, two like a, was it a yellow singlet or yellow orange singlet? We've seen that. Yeah. that. yeah. Like how many different looks does this chick have? It's crazy. <laughs> all all about Medusa. <laughs> she's crazy. Well, she's the best right now. She's the best. All right, so let's get this let's get this card going here. AJW tag title match. So yeah, your your young tag titles. Uh, they're still relevant when when <laughs> available. It is Mika right. Takahashi and Kaoru Meida. One Kaoru K. They are the champions. Oh, I'm upset that her retirement show got uh, delayed. Kaoru. Yeah, and uh, if you if you're a member of our Patreon or listen to the Big Egg Joshi podcast, we did a 2010 uh, last woman standing match between Kaoru and Ozaki, which was which was excellent. That was really fun to review. It's over on the Patreon. You can find under the Joshi 2010s, or um, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be coming out in two weeks on uh, your podcast, Kay, uh, for free. Big Egg Joshi. Yeah, we, we're here. We are. We're seeing her humble beginnings. Humble no, beginnings uh, no in bad 1990. bitch with weapons. Good God. <laughs> She's oh, the the neon colored bodysuits are the best. I Pink love them. They look like they color. look like. Uh, uh, what was that? What was that dance? Uh, was it aerobics? No, it was the dancing oh, exercise yeah, routine yeah, from the eighties. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. They were just missing like the big puffy like sock thingies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the shin warmers. That's <laughs> all. That's all they're missing. It's all they're fucking missing. It's like the I love this gear. One. It was great. Very colorful. Uh, they're taking oh, on. colorful. They are taking on Las Cachorras Orientales LCO. Our first. Da, our first delve into this tag team of Mima Shimoda and Etsuka Mita. Do I know what that name stands for? Or from what I was told that it stands for? Inform the Oriental audience. Bitch, or, Oriental bitches. Damn right. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's an exact one-to-one translation, but I've seen that translation of the name a few times. Oriental bitches. Well, I, I must say, they are full-on showing that leg and good God, Shimoda has the special sexy gear. Thank you, JWP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, we, we, I think we had discussed it a few times before, but like this point, like towards the end of the year, so JWP has got under their skin with uh, I'm seeing over in the Big Egg Joshi Pie over at the JWP in 1990. We're like the beginning, like March, and Cutie Suzuki's got the frilly stuff on. The crowd's eating her up. Everything she like, they're just chewing for her, and that had to have spooked them because her gear. Shimoda's gear looked exactly like Cutie Suzuki's, just a different color swap. It is uh, definitely not a coincidence for what AJW oh, no, is not. going for. Uh, they There's a huge shift happening uh, within the women's wrestling scene in Japan. Uh, you're, you're seeing it. I, I Look, while we were watching this show, Russell Marine Piad 2, this, it really hit me that... JWP's influence is happening. You can definitely tell. Uh, they're they're pushing a whole different crop of talent that we're not used to seeing. They're presenting them differently. Okay, I'm gonna go out on a limb. This is when 
they did the demographic shift. This is when that happened in the audience. Yeah, I don't think that's a, a surprise at all. I think the demographic had been shifting up to this point, but this is like the full lean-in, I think. I think before they kind of, as we saw with Tateno, they were kind of teasing at it, right? Tateno had that really low-cut gear. Mm-hmm. Right? Trying to show a little bit of the, the cleavage off a little bit. I think now they're fully leaning into it because they're seeing that JWP is getting so much more money because the Japanese businessmen have money. And so when the Japanese men come to the show, they're spending more money. Well, they have more money. There's more, right. yeah. Anyways, right, that, because that, most that, of yeah. them are heads of households and stuff like that. So they, yes, have, they yes, have the, the cultural, the cultural uh, influence is, right, is right. important to note. It's not, uh, we don't need some SJW uh, type right. conversation like they, here. They, they, they went from trying to get like the, the high school, college age women who also have disposable money at the time because of the economy and stuff too. Well, they don't have the money anymore, so it's most of them at this point, right? And they're not coming to our shows anyways, so just lean into the businessmen. And I think this is where the full-fledged demographic split happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of pinpointing this show as kind of the, the noticeable shift. So right, this match... I've seen JWP already. In the, this in, match ruled. It was great. Mima Shimoda and Mita are an excellent... Uh, com- they complement each other so well. With not just not just their ring work, but also also their looks, uh, and then there's Kaoru Meida on the other side. Mika Takahashi, I could take her leave, leave her without her, but Kaoru Meida, she was fine. She, she, was she fine. didn't mess up at all. But Kaoru Meida, holy shit, athletic. She moves well. I thought she was easily the best person in this match. Yeah, so I think I had mentioned this on the over at the um, the 2010s episode. And so seeing this early on, it's like shocking just how good she is and knowing that she ends up being a, a lifelong mid-carder, essentially. Yeah, it's very I'm shocking. I'm kind of curious why. I'm kind of curious why that is. Like, where maybe she gets hurt, maybe. Or maybe she, her know. production slows, maybe. It's very interesting. I can't wait to see kind of how or why that is the case with her. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious myself because, uh, you know, LCO's the... You know, you're already getting the feeling they're the next jumping bomb angels type push, like immediately. Oh yeah, we're already seeing it. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Kaurumeda, she looks like she could be uh, just throwing up the card. You know, all Pacific title at the very least, and see see what she can bring because she was super fast. She's got a good look to her. There's there's a lot to like about this match. Even Meltzer watched this show and he gave this this match four stars. I think I'm going four and a quarter for going on the five scale. Easily three out of three star recommendation. This was this holds up extremely well to me. I I go about four and a quarter as well. Like I really enjoyed this, but I, I already I'm already preconditioned to like LCO just because I I know <laughs> how good they are and also them legs, bro. Them legs. <laughs> they make sh- it's weird because their their gear isn't. All they're doing is kind of cutting like the leg parts of the singlets off, essentially. But they're showing so much leg that it's so noticeable. Well, they're both tall with long legs, and yeah, the gear yeah, just accentuates that. Tall. It's it is on purpose. So yeah. Uh, oh yeah. LCO really. win this excellent match. Very fast paced. It's the go 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 style. I I think I think uh, that kind of goes without saying at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely how AGW books their tag matches. It's fast. It's go. Uh, Tag in, tag out. Sometimes it doesn't even matter. Oh, it's like lucha rules. Yeah, which is good. I like tag matches that do that. They're yeah, just get the hell out of the ring. You're good. <laughs> yeah, they're not restrained, which is good. 
In a match that wasn't as good, Medusa is teaming up with Bison Kimura, and they take on and defeat the Mariko Yoshida Yumiko Hota team. So Hota is full on bottom of the card now. Right. Well, I think the experiment to make her the next Yumiko Sugaya blew up in their face pretty hard. And so now they're just kind of like shuffling her down. And maybe you might have an MMA fight here or there, but she's not anywhere. She's not even in the mid card, I don't think. Oh, this is the undercard, buddy. She's at <laughs> she's the bottom. Like, she's not even mixing up in the mid card, which, good, it's where she belongs. Fuck you, Hoda. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the full card here. The Classics had uh, two matches switched. Uh, this is fourth from the top, so it was a straight mid card. Yeah, but she's definitely not being booked as a mid carder. She's being booked as an under mid carder. She's getting, this... she's getting no key spots. She's not getting any spotlights. No, no, no. no. She's not having her uh, chance to just kick the shit out of people. It's it's just a, a standard tag Selling. match. It's very, it's a, it was a, a Western standard tag match. Uh, really, this was not the go-go-go style, and <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with Medusa being in the ring. Yeah, I do, I do think that influences a lot, which is noticeable given that we had just seen, like you, like you said, the go-go-go tag team sort of style that they usually do. Yeah. I did get such a kick out of how this match ends. So Medusa is on the apron. Bison and Hota are going at it. Well, as Hota and Yoshida are about to do a tag team move, Yoshida goes to hit the ropes, and then Medusa just holds onto her. And then she's yelling, get her, Bison! And Bison ducks Hota, and then does a an overhand chop to the chest, and then pins Hota. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Hota pinned by chop. Well, listen, listen. As we saw in the beginning of this show, we had Yukari and Mori, Akira and um, Jaguar Yakota, and Linus Asuka on, on, on there. So, you know, if anyone knows about how great the, the Tomahawk chop is, it's when former 3WA champion Yukari and Mori. Oh, God. Yeah, we forgot to mention that they have these three uh, former champions. <laughs> On commentary. <laughs> on commentary and Jaguar's in a nice black dress. You know, she's she's all happy. She's bouncing. She's got nice shoes on, not heels. Must notice. And then uh, she has a very she's an angry look on her face, like she always does. Yeah, I mean it's Jaguar. And then Yukari Omori is still full pompadour. She's lost a lot of weight, but she's still got them oh, shoulder yeah. pads. <laughs> <laughs> them shoulders be padded, bruh. And then in the middle, I just thought it was some like business dude, right? I'm just uh, looking at it, go look at it, and then, and then you just go, oh my god, that's Linus Asuka. I'm like, I have to triple take. Because I go, what? What are you looking at? Where? And then the uh, camera uh, zooms uh, in on her. Like, oh my god, that is Linus Asuka. Short Japanese businessman haircut, the 1980s glasses. brill glasses that like old men wear, and she's got a regular <laughs> kind of like news anchor suit. I go, what is what is this look that Linus Asuka is doing? Did she is she taking retirement a bit too hard? <laughs> <laughs> is she gone down the whole rabbit hole with this? Listen, <laughs> what, what, what it clicked for me was that when she was talking, I was like, oh, I recognize that voice and that haircut. That's Linus Asuka. She's got glasses on. I did not recognize. No, that haircut was even shorter. It was the glasses that threw me off. It was like a Superman situation. Clark Kent. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> Little did you know, Lioness Asuka has a secret identity where she's Bob the Barker Man. Bob the Barker Man. Yeah, that's what those glasses were. They're Bob Barkers. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Price is Right reference. Jesus. Okay. 
kickboxing match. It's Bat Yoshinaga, the bad bitch. She's taking Real on she's taking on a what appears to be a 90-pound child. Very skinny, very frail looking. Okay, this Shaking. is Karo Ito. <laughs> this is Karo Ito. She looks very scared because she knows she might get fucked up by Bat Yoshinaga. Dude, this was stupid. It was like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the match. <laughs> oh, I couldn't help but laugh. Because Ito was throwing punches, and the entire time, Bat Yoshinaga is not even putting her guard. She's eating punches to the face and still throwing punches and just walking at her. I don't think she put her guard up once. I don't think anybody she put their guard eating. up once. <laughs> well, I don't think Haru Ito knew how to put her guard up, nor does she have time to, after getting blasted in the face and the stomach and kicked and punched so many times. Did it was know brutal. Bat Yoshinaga is not a good wrestler, but she's uh, their mixed martial arts champion forever. It created a belt specifically for her. Yeah, well, if this is what she's good at, I guess you can call it good. I, I mean, I wouldn't call a trained fighter beating up non-trained fighters very fun to watch, but uh, I must say uh, there was a bit of a masochist in me that w enjoyed what I was witnessing. It was very wacky. <laughs> so, did you know about Yoshinaga is not really entirely a trained fighter? Well, I don't. She's trained enough to to the skill level that she's up against. It's but not like we're talking about. Uh, it's not like we're talking about. Um, uh, what's her face from JD Star? Oh yeah, fucking Emmy Tojo. Emmy Tojo. Yeah, it's like, oh no, I know how to fight. No problem. I, I know kickboxing. <laughs> kick, like throw some nice kicks, a few nice jabs, but like gets hit, and she just looks like a clown. Like she can't, def she can't defend or kicks are all wild. She's like leaning into punches really bad. Yeah, yeah. Emmy yeah, Tojo. I, I know like kickboxing. Emmy Tojo is not Bat Yoshinaka. <laughs> no, Bat Yoshinaka. Here's a hot take. Here's a hot take for you. <laughs> 3WA tag title match, two out of three falls. It is probably the best <laughs> tag team left. It's the Marine Wolves. It's Suzuka Minami and Hokuto taking on Minami Toyota and Ronald McDonald's. I'm sorry, it's Kyoko Inoue. <laughs> no, I, I call her Ronald Inoue. Jesus Christ, woman. What is she, the fuck was she wearing? She had, she had this weird, like, I couldn't, we couldn't tell if it was an undershirt or if she had a towel, like a big towel wrapped underneath her gear. It was so weird. Let's go with yes. <laughs> it's both. Let's go with yes on both. It looked bad, so it doesn't really matter. It was horrible. She, I, I referred to her uh, her look as a as a court jester in red and yellow, uh, and the, the hair did not complement that matters very well either, where it was, it wasn't quite a pompadour, but it was definitely this kind of uh, quarter part frizzled uh, short hair. It, it's 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 not the best look, if I do say so. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. It was the flight of uh, seagulls, whatever that that group. Flock that of seagulls. Really... <laughs> flock of seag That's what the hair reminded me of immediately. It's like she got the flock of seagulls haircut, the Ronald McDonald onesie, and fucking Ultimate Warrior face paint. It's a hot mess. It's it's very wacky. Uh, it's it's not the best look in the world, that's for sure. It's unique, that's for sure. I'll give it that. <laughs> you don't see very many of those looks going around. Yeah, so it was two out of three falls. Um, okay, thoughts over this sucker. Uh, I I thought we um, well, Kyoko Wei spent a lot of time in the match. I think she spent the most time in the match, and then her and Minami were having that sort of back and forth. They were tag partners, but I didn't feel like they were like 
I feel like they were forced to be tag partners because they didn't get along with each other. They were kind of hitting each other and not tagging each other in like that. I thought, uh, in a way, for being in the match for as long as she was, was actually really good. She showed a lot of lot of promise. And obviously, Minami uh, showed a lot of promise on her own. It was crazy. Some of those just, like, what was it? There was a spot where they're all diving to the outside. She just jumps before anybody could turn their back to catch her. She just fucking jumps to fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we could break down that. So, Suzu- Suzuka Minami is on uh, the outside of the ring. And Kyoko Inoue just goes to the top and leaps and uh, pretty much just crashes and burns. <laughs> like, no one catches her. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> right behind her, Hokuto's like, well, I got to get in on this. She does kind of a springboard situation, and we're just going, oh, no, it's the fucking Grand Prix spot all over again. Hokuto, don't die. Okay, she doesn't die. And then a split second later, here comes Toyota out of the side of the camera, just leaping over the top rope. No one catches her, and she just fucking falls to the mat. <laughs> no, no, she falls into everybody because they didn't catch her because nobody was turned around. Yeah, she around barrels in and just crashes. Because Hokuto landed on them. So before they can recover, she just fucking jumps, she vaults over the top rope and just fucking lands on everybody. Yeah, just three straight crash and burn shots. I was like, what am I watching here? <laughs> my, my favorite little touch in that uh, that Hokuto jump was I think you could, for a split second, see Suzuka Minami grab her arm. Like, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, go for her arm. Like, don't. <laughs> this what happened to you last time. Don't do it. Yeah, so it, it, it fell into the AJW formula of the challengers quickly get the first fall, and then it's uh, it's a comeback for the, uh, the the champions, and that's, well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the third fall is Hokuto pins Inoue with the Northern Lights Bomb. I think that's our first first time seeing her win a match with the move. Yeah, they're definitely going to try. I think we see it later on. They try to get that over as her finisher. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, but we st- we're we're almost at that stage. Uh, I think they're. I think uh, JWP. Uh, thank you again, JWP. Uh, we're finally starting to see the wrestlers uh, have have and implement more signature moves to them. Yeah, starting because at to this see point, innovation. Cutie Suzuki has her own stuff. She has the cutie special, the move that she invented. Uh, we have Ozaki with that weird sort of suplex that she does, but then stops doing later on. <laughs> Have Dynamite Kansai with Splash Mountain, which we see her start doing uh, mid-1990, I think. I think I'm already starting to see her do a diving headbutt spot, at the very least, as her finisher. All right. It's like, we're starting to see more defined finishers, and you can tell that they're like, oh, uh, we need to start getting on that, too, because, I mean, did they, I mean, name Chigusa Nagayo's finisher. She didn't have one. Uh, No. I mean, and I saw her win a match with a moonsault. That's how she won the title. It was a bad moonsault, but yeah, that was that was it. Yeah, everything was everything was a, was a German. That was it. <laughs> or or sometimes just a fucking scoop slam. I, I mean, we saw a pin with a scoop slam. Remember? Yeah, scoop slam, shoot pin. <laughs> yeah, it's, like it, it's so it was like so all over the place. Like I don't even think Bonacano has a finisher yet. Well, I hope Bison Kimura's finisher is just that overhand chop to the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Get that sucker over like you did Kari Mori's Tomahawk chop. Ah, there's one. There's the finisher we saw that was defined. No, I don't want to remember chop. that as the first finisher. <laughs> Get that out of here. The, there you go. First finisher in AGW history. Kari Mori, Tomahawk chop. Put it in the history books. Write it down. Ugh. All right. Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium, December 9th, 1990. All right. You ready? Ready. LCO is taking on 
Toshio Yamada and Manami Toyota. Okay, we have a team name for these two. Ah, team 1987, team gold combo. <laughs> I fucking love it. Oh, man. I'm so mad. I, I, I spent the entirety of my upload, like, I spent like a good like 20, 25 minutes when I was doing my AGWS episode trying to find the name of their team. Because they team very frequently after this point. I'm like, they had to have a team name, right? All of them typically have team names. And I couldn't find a team name. And here the fuck we are. Team Gold Combo. I'm sorry, 1987 Team Gold Combo. I love this team name. It is so ridiculous. Quick go, go, go style if you've ever seen one. And uh, I will say, uh, Mita is a little too mat heavy right now for my liking it's reminding me too much of suzuka minami because that was a problem in the two out of three falls match that we didn't mention was the first chunk of that was just suzuka minami doing her leg hold that she likes doing uh, that's right. kind of her fault and but uh mita kind of falls into that but not a, not as not as bad uh, but this was super quick and fast i love the again talked about lco really complementing each other in styles boy yamada and toyota like exemplifies that oh yeah i remember me telling you that they have perfect chemistry with each other as tag partners and opponents it's wild how well those two play off of each other both as like i said opponents and tag partners they just mesh so perfectly it's like it's like a perfect gold combo there you go hey there we go so Toyota cross-arm front suplex pins Mita to win the match. Uh, I do recommend this one. This got a uh, solid two stars from me. Hey, I-, I love this match. It was great. It was very I mean, good. Toyota looked really, really good. And we saw Yamada come out with a gold and white robe. Like, looking yeah. like some kind of fucking boxing star. Like, we're starting to see different, like, her gear looks more flashy, too. We're seeing that, right? I mean, Toyota wears all pink with the little sort of... So that kind of shoulder thingies mm-hmm. coming off. But we're starting to see more defined looks for the wrestlers as well. Bolnakano versus Kyoko Inoue. Less of a court jester here, but still wacky. She dropped the uh, the undershirt towel gimmick. Uh, but everything else is basically Probably for the, the best. <laughs> Probably for uh, the best. Look, it was like 13 minutes. Uh, Bolnakano, Kyoko Inoue kind of went 50-50 for a little bit, but ultimately... Uh, they're really building up Kyoko in a way as this stronger wrestler that that clearly has a lot of potential. And Bulnakano sees it in her, and she's trying. Like the story is, they're fighting, and Bulnakano kind of wants to recruit her into a new faction of hers or new group. Ah, actually, you're kind of you're half right with that. I'm half so, right. Okay, saw, correct. As we saw in the cage at the end of the cage match, the second cage match, I believe, uh, Yamada and them, uh, not Yamada, Kyoko in a way. And Hokuto come bailing in the ring, and uh, Inoue wants to join up with Gokumento. Because mm-hmm. Gokumento is still a group, right? Yeah. It's still Bull's group, despite that Jungle Jack is starting to split out of it, right? We still have Grizzly, and we still have Bull in there. And this was her tryout. Uh, it's Bull, a tryout match. Okay. Bull only agrees to hold, to bring her into the group if she could go with her and, she imp- and impress her in the ring. And she does, as we see at the end of the match. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It it was um it kind of reminded me of a I I don't want to say a trial series match where you see it kind of in an ice ribbon sense or a stardom sense, but that's what it reminded me of, just with a little bit more fun story to it. I think that's kind of the the point of why it was built that way. Obviously she's a bull's trying not to murder her. She wants to 
know, impress me. If you can impress me, you can join the group. Yeah, and she if sold she was a little bit. Her, she'd go into full murder bull mode, just destroy her. But yeah. she doesn't. Yeah, she sold for a little bit. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't this like no sell nonsense. It was just come on, give me your best shot, and eventually, in a way, did. And that was kind of the purpose to the match for the viewer in order to see Kyoko in a way as this uh, potential rising protege, maybe of Bull Nakano. Maybe. Maybe. Well, also, mm. there was a nice spot with um the nunchaku, right? They tossed the nunchaku, and she tosses them back. Yeah. Doesn't choose not to use them. Yeah, and the the crowd like she popped and full murder murder bull, but she doesn't want to do that here. It's not the object isn't to murder her; it's to try to get her to see if she can impress her or not. Yeah, cool spot. I thought I like that was it. a nice small touch there. Then our main event: Marine Wolves Tag Championship on the line against Jungle Jack, Aja Kong, and Bison Kimura. Okay, we got new tag champs. The Marine Wolves won these suckers back in like February of 1990. We're in December. They held these suckers all year, basically. After all of this, Kong jackhammer suplexes Suzuka Minami off the top rope for that third and final fall. Uh, incredible finishing stretch here. Uh, in, the, in this case, it was uh, uh, Jungle Jack gets the first, I think they got the first pin, and then Marine Wolves got the second, and that led to the third. Uh, what's interesting here is this uh, this team Marine Wolves. They are now looking like uh, Sentai ninjas. <laughs> yeah, they've got a whole new. I mean, we've seen the evolution, right? We've seen them go from like fucking lifeguards. Yeah, <laughs> we've go from lifeguards to I think they like look in between there with a kind of like um your average sort of gym people with like gym wear, and now they're fucking ninjas. They're Sentai ninjas. Blue Ranger and Red Ranger over here. That's what that's what they're pulling off. Uh, they're not wearing boots either. They're 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 full barefoot. Full barefoot. Uh, I I I have to be honest though. It's a good look for them. <laughs> oh, it's probably the best look that they've had so far. And this is the best Suzuka Minami I think has looked. Uh, she is very much made for tag team matches. She is not one for the long drawn out singles matches where she just puts them in holds forever just to kind of. I, I get the feeling that she can't go to the extent that the rest of the roster does. I'm not saying she can't. I'm saying it's not as high. Just a yeah. feeling. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, you told me that you think I'm wrong. And I could be. Uh, from the top of my head, I feel like she just ends up being sort of a tag wrestler most of her career. She's coming at me, that is. Just, mm -hmm. It seems like that's the role that she was put in, unless she goes like Gaia and gets like a vanity run somewhere. Oh, I feel like that's run. the place for her. Because that's the only place that comes to mind is Gaia, or like Deathbed AJW, where fucking everyone gets a title run. You get a title run, you get a title run. Ota gets a fucking title run, she doesn't deserve. She gets two. She gets two, she doesn't deserve. So I really like this match. This got uh, easy two stars again. Two out of three star recommendation scale that we go by. Uh, what's very interesting is after the match, Hokuto is a sore loser, and she attacks Aja Kong, and she runs the top and drop kicks her off the top, and then she just leaves the ring, and the crowd boos her. Yeah, it's the first time we're seeing her get booed because normally she was being cheered. Yeah, for being a sore loser, the fans are like, "Hey, what's up with that?" She got beat fair and square. Bison and Aja did no funny business. Not really. No, they just kind of kicked some ass. Yeah, I mean that's that's 
I think we'll come to see that that seems to be Jiggle Jack's MO compared to Goku and Toe, where the weapons and the bullshit are still very much alive, given the dump influence. But Jiggle Jack is like, kick your shit in, beat the crap out of you, take your belt, and walk home. That's why Jiggle Jack got so popular. I don't know if they're trying to turn them face at this moment. I can't remember. I do know they become a babyface group at some point. They're super fucking popular because they're just like they're just ass kickers. This could be quite kind of a, a turn situation. Uh, and then I believe post match, once Hokuto, uh, the sore loser, leaves, Aja Kong calls out, and I think I'm not sure. Bull Nakano, as the camera cuts to the back to a door, but then no one comes out, and then they leave. Ooh. So I think that it could be Bull, but I think there's also something here that she might be yelling at Hokuto to come back if she's going to try to actually come back and fight her. Oh, yeah. Like could, a, she, I don't know. She just left the ring. Would she even be back there yet? That's why I'm not. I mean, she was, al- she was already that. in the back. By, that, by the time that she had the mic in her hand, they had already left ringside. Hmm. So she could just be yelling and say, hey, bitch, you're going to try to fight? Would I finish this? You're not going to finish this? Would, that would kind of fit the MO for, for Jungle Jack. I don't know if she'd be calling Bull out this early after their big cage match. Well, maybe they want to maybe be. they want a tag team match now because they got the titles. You could be right. I just don't remember how the the one the next match of theirs or how that rest of that plays out off the top of my head. But I I feel like I could see it both ways. Her calling out her calling out Bull. I feel like Bull is normally one to come at it and accept the challenge. It doesn't not like her to sort of cower in the back. So it makes more sense to me. It's just like well, I'm just making the crowd wait, see what happens. But it makes more sense to me for her to be talking shit to Hokuto for for you know trying to <laughs> come up on her and stuff. Like, hey, listen, bitch, you walk away. You want to come back here, finish this? I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out in time. So this was a super super fun episode. Big recommendation. Uh, episode forty three of the classics. Seek this out. It's an easy hour to watch, and you can even find the full matches on YouTube and Daily Motion very easily. So yeah, definitely go check it out. It's very. See the future coming up bright in more ways than one.